Good morning, church family. Welcome to the third in our series on the Lord's Prayer. Our focus today is on forgiveness, particularly the phrase, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, some translations use the word trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the idea is very similar. Trespassing shows stepping over the line in relationship to the law and to relationships with others. Debts are what we owe God, and our sin is seen as a debt accrued, which we owe to God. So today, my big desire for you is that you become a better forgiver in your relationships. I recall as a student preparing to go with a missions team and the guide of our missions, our summer missions team, was setting up some training sessions for us. It was the end of the semester, it was crunch time, and the first event he wanted was an ice cream social for us to get to know each other. I didn't think that was very important. I had a lot to do. And uh, on top of my studies and preparing for exams, I had these little brothers in the projects that I wanted to visit because I was a senior and I was going to be leaving. So I spent my time studying and then going and playing with my little brothers instead of going to the ice cream social. He had another event of how to use your camera as you go overseas and take great pictures. I just had a little 110, point and shoot. I didn't think that was important either. So I didn't go to that. Well, he showed up one morning as I was going to breakfast, and he said, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, what about? He says, you were irresponsible. You didn't come to the training sessions. You weren't part of the team preparing to go. And I said a few things to sort of defend myself, excuses, and he didn't buy any of them. He was pretty firm and um, corrective, and I took it to heart, and... Um, I felt hurt. I couldn't really say anything that was satisfying. So um, I let that go. I thought it was over. The summer went by. We came back. And I realized that I still had this attitude toward this teacher guide. We didn't see each other for another couple years. And one day he showed up in a restaurant where I was working, 250 miles from school. And there I saw him sitting and immediately I tried to avoid him. I didn't want to have anything to do with him. I realized then that I was still angry. I was harboring some kind of grudge inside of me toward this person who had done relatively little to offend me. And that the grudge that I had harbored had actually become the greater offense in the matter. Well, I know that some of you listening have been hurt far worse than that by people who said they loved you and cared. And you've borne those hurts for a long time. And some of those have turned into grudges, difficult to forgive. Jesus addresses that in this prayer. He makes this statement, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Ikes, that kind of hurts. It makes me one of re-examine my heart. Have I been a good forgiver? Do I really forgive others well? We have to first of all realize that our debts have been forgiven. Every one of us has sinned. We fall short of our own standards. 
Someone has said, you think that I'm critical with you. Try living within my head and under the criticism that I give toward myself. We don't live up to our own standards, let alone God's standards for us. God has given us the law, the Ten Commandments, to show what he expects from us. And then Jesus comes along in this context of the Sermon on the Mount, and he sort of ups the ante, lifts the standard, and he says, it's not just about good behavior, folks. It's about what's going on in the heart. You must be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you think, who then? can stand before God. We are all debtors. And this is the very point of the gospel, isn't it? We are debtors to God. We cannot live up to his standards. Thus he sent his son Jesus Christ to step in as the perfect Lamb of God and to be our Savior. He further illustrates this point of what we owe him by telling a story later on in Matthew chapter 18 where he talks about a king and his relationship to his slave. This king calls his slave into account. The slave owed him a great debt. The Bible tells us that it was probably about the equivalent of 150,000 years of a common laborer's wages. Now imagine that. There's no way he could repay that. And when the king says, okay, pay up, the man falls on his face before the king. Please, I beg you, be patient with me and I will pay you all that I owe you. Yeah, right. Well, the king orders the man to be sold, his wife and children to be sold into slavery, and all that this man has be given to him as payment until the man is able to pay his debt. As the man is pleading with the king, the king's heart of compassion dwell, rises up within him, and he chooses to forgive the man of his debt. The entire thing didn't just put him on a payment plan, didn't just cut down and make it manageable, but he cancels his debt completely. Well, you can imagine how the man must have been. He's not sure that he just heard what was said, and he walks out very calmly until he gets outside and the door is shut, and then I can just imagine how he must have jumped and danced in the streets. He was elated to be forgiven, set free, liberated. All of a sudden, the hopelessness of a few moments ago had just developed into a bright future. He had his family back. He had his home back. Everything without any further debt. That's the position of all of us, right? That's the point that Jesus wants us to understand. Is it whether you realize it or not, your debt was far more than you could pay. There's no way that you could give God what he demands as payment for your sin. He sent his son to be the perfect sacrifice, to step in and take your sin upon himself and to pay, not just with things of this world, but with the costly blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of his own son. 
And as a result, we are set free. We're completely liberated from our sin. That's the beauty of the gospel. So, what is our response to this? There are certain things that Jesus requires of us. If we have been shown this kind of grace, then certainly we are to imitate our Father in heaven and be like him in extending grace to others. We are to be grace givers. And that's a wonderful privilege because we will constantly be offended by people. The closer we get to them, the more often they will offend us and we them. And so the need for forgiveness is proportionate to how close we get to people. That's our privilege. We need to choose to forgive. It needs to be our posture. We need to anticipate that we will be offended and hurt by the things people say, by the emails that they send us in which we read between the lines and wonder if that's what they're really saying by meaning by what they say, or their Facebook post which really bothers us and we can't believe that they just said that and put it out there. There's lots of ways that we can be tripped up. Choose to forgive. Will I forgive others or will I hold them accountable to live within my framework and expectations for them. In this parable, the man who had been forgiven went out and immediately he found someone who owed him a very small amount, just about four months wages. He seized him and he grabbed him by the throat and began to choke him and said, pay back everything you owe me. Man did exactly what he had done to the king. He falls on his feet and he says, please, I beg of you, have mercy on me and I'll repay you everything. And the guy says, no. Have him thrown in prison until he pays the last penny. Well, those who were watching, of course, saw this take place and they went and told the king what had just happened. The king was furious with this man he'd forgiven. He calls him back into his presence and he says, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Now this is a question that's asked to you and me today. Should we not also have mercy on those who offend us the same way that God has had mercy on us? Well, they don't know our offenses necessarily to the extent to which we have been forgiven. And sometimes we use that and hold it over their heads because they don't know the extent to which we've been forgiven. But we do, and that's the important thing. We are to extend that same mercy to them. Our joy of giving, of forgiving, is sometimes short-lived. We go from flying high to then seeing that face that reminds us of the hurt in the restaurant, there he is. And all of a sudden the emotions and all that's associated with that pain comes flooding back. And we need to go through that process again. I have chosen to forgive and now I will walk in that forgiveness regardless of what my feelings tell me right now. Friends, 
Take it from me. We cannot afford to hold grudges. I want you to do a radar scan right now in your mind. Who comes to mind? You know who they are. List the names. Write them down. Who are the people who you are holding something against? And who do you think is holding something against you? Consider the severity of their offenses toward you in light of your offenses to God. For my missions professor, I realized that I was harboring, that is, I was allowing a safe haven for this ship of bitterness to come in and more in my heart. I need to address that. You need to address that. Who am I angry with? Get in touch with your emotions. Feelings are sometimes a good indicator of what's going on in our hearts. Your blood pressure rises, your jaw begins to clench, your brows furrow, your hands become sweaty when you think about this particular person and the closer they get to you. And you realize that there's a problem that needs to be taken care of. Jesus said that if you're offering sacrifices of praise and worship to God, but you remember there's someone who has something against you, leave your offering there and go and make things right first. Because in God's mind, it's more important that you get right with one another before you come into his presence and worship. Eliminate the bitter roots before they become poisonous plants that grow up and yield poisonous fruit. God creates from these bitter plants uh, a taste that animals will not tolerate and it's for a purpose so they don't get in trouble. But the Bible tells us that the root of bitterness grows deep within us and it begins to pervade our lives and affect and infect every part of us. Take it out at the roots. Pull it out and get rid of it. Ask God to help you to get over it, to forgive that person who has hurt you. Keep close accounts with people. This will assure that you have a closer relationship with God. Jesus says in another place, you can say to that mountain, be removed if you have enough faith. But if while you're praying, you're standing there and you remember someone who has something against you or whom you have offended, Leave and go and take care of that because your father will not forgive you unless you forgive that person. How does our prayer life grow? By keeping close tabs with one another, close accounts, not letting the roadblocks come between us. Be quick to forgive. Deal with your anger and your unforgiveness quickly. Paul writes, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Take care of it today. Now you're saying, well, that happened a long time ago. This person's probably forgotten about it. It's something in the past. I don't have to worry about it now. If it's still on your mind, then it's still an issue. Go to that person and say, guy, I just need to circle back with you on something. I know this happened a long time ago. Most likely that person has not forgotten. And if they have, or they pretend that they have, it never hurts to have that conversation. It takes humility of coming in low and saying, I have a problem. I need to talk to you about this. You will be surprised at how it clears the air and builds a relationship. 
even if that person didn't remember the offense. And then as you develop your relationships with others in the body of Christ, grow in love. Let that love become part of everything you do. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love hardly notices a wrong rendered. It's not touchy. It, is, it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It thinks the best of other people. And as we cultivate that love, we'll be less likely to be offended as often. That doesn't mean that we won't ever be, but it does help us to bear with one another as members of the body of Christ. So what's the alternative to holding unforgiveness? Acknowledge the offense against you. Talk to God about it. Keep in mind the forgiveness of your debts. Replace unforgiveness with love. Begin to pray for that person and asking God to give you a love for them. And pray for the person who has hurt you that they will grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Go and talk to that person with reconciliation as your goal. What are we asking for? I'm asking you to become grace givers. I'm asking you to extend to others the same mercy and grace that you have been given by Christ. Let his heart of compassion overtake you. Love as you have been loved. Knowing that this is the calling of God and what it means to become an imitator of our Father in heaven. God bless you and have a wonderful day.